be attentive. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, food will not command us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. Only take care, lest this liberty of yours somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you, a man of knowledge, at table in idol's temple, might he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak man is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of my brother's failing, I will never eat meat, lest I cause my brother to fall. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Peace be with you, the reader. Arise, let us listen to the Holy Gospel. Peace be with all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The Lord said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep at his right hand but the goats at the left then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison 
and visit you, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or naked, or sick or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And they will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. Peace be to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Brothers and sisters, this Sunday goes by a couple of different names. Judgment Sunday and Meat Fair Sunday. We immediately think either of giving up some foods that we really love, especially if you are a carnivore-inclined person like myself, or in thinking of Judgment Sunday, we immediately become afraid that we just aren't making the cut to get into heaven. I'll concentrate on the Judgment Sunday part. It's a fearful thought. It's a fearful pursuit to try to understand how to receive this type of interaction with the Lord God. Last year, it just so happened that I preached on this Sunday as well. And last year I concentrated on the difference between judgment and condemnation. I won't repeat that. This time I'll speak more to the judgment 
and how we interact with it. Because it is fearful, precisely as I said. But it's not a cause for despair. Let me share with you a quote from St. Theophan the Recluse. This 19th century saint. We actually have quite a bit written from St. Theophan. He's, he's a most, most devout and powerful elder and preacher coming from Russian spirituality. And we have lots written by him, even with uh, exact dates. And that's not something we come across with writings of the ancient fathers, right? So I'll read to you this quote from him. It's a bit longer, so bear with me. There is no need to give in to the spirit of despondency over this, over judgment. We should only look carefully around us, and whatever is not pleasing to God should be immediately removed, and if necessary, cleansed away by confession. Then, trusting everything to God's mercy, it is only left for us to be of good cheer. The Lord at the last judgment will not only be as if judging us, but also as if justifying us. And he will justify everything if there is at least some small possibility to do so. This is very comforting to me. In the midst of my own self-evaluation, I can find many more reasons to be condemned than to be given access to the eternal kingdom of God. I strive, I try, I repent, I read, I pray. I try to serve others more. And yet, when I truly am self-evaluative, I find myself falling short yet again and again. It's easy, it's very easy to slide into despair if I were to rely exclusively on myself. How is it possible then for God to justify us at the last judgment? How is it possible when I know clearly my sins, when I know clearly my faults, when I know clearly that my repentance is insufficient? How can he do it? So let's look at this gospel passage that we just heard today. Let's see what this little bit of the scriptures tells us to consider on this Judgment Sunday. Easy, really easy. 
help the poor and the needy, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, comfort the afflicted, visit the sick and the imprisoned. Easy. These are easy tasks. Let's face it, it should not be difficult. But do we truly do it? When we examine ourselves, do we truly pursue this exhortation coming to us from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25? We have become accustomed, actually, even in our everyday, banal, secular lives, we've become accustomed to quote this chapter, Matthew 25, so that we feel wise and smart about the duties that fall in our responsibility as Christians. We can also use that passage more so than to sound smart, but rather to encourage one another to help others. Even though we fail at it, We use it to encourage each other, and we should. So I'd like to break it down. I'd like to break it down into a little, into something that's a little more palpable, palpable, a little more mm, concrete, perhaps. The reality is that we have opportunities at every corner to carry out those tasks in Matthew 25 and throughout the scriptures, not just that one chapter. We have opportunities to indeed carry out these responsibilities without overwhelming ourselves. Here's one, the earthquake that just took place in Syria and Turkey. Last year, last Sunday, my apologies, we were looking at 30-some thousand deaths. At this point, it's clearly over 50,000, and there's a possibility it's going to rise even further. Some are estimating 100,000. This kind of opportunity, indeed, requires of us really just the writing of a check, a financial gift. This is the most impactful way for us to make a difference in aiding somebody far away, somebody that we are likely never to meet, and in a location that we're likely, we're not likely to reach very easily. But there are other opportunities at home. There are opportunities right here in Minneapolis where we live. There are people who struggle. There are people who do not have enough food. There are people who do not have enough money. People who do not have a good and compassionate word. People who need all of those things. 
And those cannot be healed, those hurts cannot be healed with simply a financial gift. While that is certainly useful, those hurts and pains can be healed much more easily and effectively by us, the neighbors of those very people, with our time and our expertise sometimes beyond our treasure. Yes, in addition to a $100 check, we need to find time to actually speak with a, with a person who needs to hear a word in addition to the help to pay a heating bill. Yes, somebody who is hungry right next door to me, in addition to a loaf of bread and a bowl of soup to eat and nourish his body, needs to hear my word and needs to feel my handshake and to see me sitting with him to break bread together. Brothers and sisters, <clears throat> we live in a world of abundance. You and I live richly and abundantly. And most of the complaints we have are about the Wi-Fi not working or stuff like that. And we must wake up. We must wake up and break those habits of fooling ourselves that our most charitable identity lies in a simple gift. Our most charitable identity, the one that emulates Christ, is in a gift of the self. When I invest my mind and my heart in a person who needs me even more so than he needs my petty financial gift. Break the habits, brothers and sisters. There are lots of habits to be broken. I began with a joke for that's what seems to attract the attention of 21st century man, jokes. The joke about the fasting. We're getting ready to begin the Great Lent and how often we find ourselves justifying reasons not to fast, not to actually apply greater self-control. Break the habit. Apply greater self-control. Break the habit of occupying life with the busyness of the world and seek stillness. Seek peacefulness. Precisely. 
so that breaking this habit of complacency and overabundance, we gain greater clarity in our charity, in our prayer, and in our attentiveness. Amen.